Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the DDP. It's the 14th day of January. I'm Paul. It's a Saturday, and on Saturday, I try to tell you what to watch for tomorrow. Look for the sermon, Shades of Jesus. This is an audio-only sermon that's coming out tomorrow on across all of our platforms. We did not bring the camera for this particular sermon. This was a sit-down sort of just a big group of people sitting in a circle having a conversation about Jesus. This was with our, uh, our our group in Chapin, South Carolina. A little bit of an impromptu meeting. They meet every Sunday night, and I don't always I'm not always there. But we were there having preached in Columbia that morning. Stuck around, went to their meeting. Normally, they watch a video that we where we're doing a walkthrough in some in our book. But being there, I, I had a scripture on my heart, something I wanted to talk about. And we just went and just let the room do what it would do. And there's there's a beautiful conversation that in, ensued. I I won't I'll spare you the details and let tomorrow's intro take care of it because I actually recorded an intro and an outro on tomorrow's sermon. So it'll give you all the details as to how we edited it. But it's a message that never uses the title Shades of Jesus in it, but it was it's about the shadow of the law and how Jesus becomes the very centerpiece of everything. And so I thought Shades of Jesus sounded just about right. No video, audio only, available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, we do put that on YouTube. We just put a video up with the ministry logo for those that access all the things through YouTube. A lot of people actually access through YouTube. They don't necessarily watch. They just listen. So you'll still be able to pick it up. Shades of Jesus. We get back to Mark chapter 1 today. And yesterday we talked about the 14th and 15th verses where Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. He's preached the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. I want to move on to verse 16 today, and you're going to catch this sense of immediacy again that we've talked about that's already been in a couple of different passages in our Mark journey. We're only in verse 16. And he walked by the Sea of Galilee. I'm sorry. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother. Of course, he is Jesus. I I know it probably goes without saying, but I'll say it. Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And there's immediately how quickly they respond to the gospel. The Sea of Galilee is a centerpiece in the ministry of Christ. It's probably only matched in its as far as as often as we hear it talked about by perhaps the village of Capernaum where Jesus lives and maybe even lived in a home that uh, might have been his adult life residence in Capernaum, but the Sea of Galilee is this uh it's not really a sea. It's about 13 by 8 13 miles by 8 miles uh, long and wide. Um, Sometimes the New Testament, Luke calls it uh, Lake Gennesaret. Lake is a little more accurate. We've got lakes right here in North Georgia that are much larger than the Sea of Galilee, and you probably do somewhere near you. John calls it the Sea of Tiberias. That's maybe a uh, timing marker in the Gospel of John because Writers don't start calling it the Sea of Tiberias until late in the first century, early second century. So it's possible that 
That's a way of dating the Gospel of John. But if, if you've ever read Galilee, Gennesaret, Tiberias as a body of water in any of the four Gospels, you're talking about the same thing. And the sea becomes important because it, the water, whether it be a river or, or the sea or the ocean, has been a very important part of Jewish lore. Um, and I walk through some of that whole river analogies in my book, Greater Than Jonah. And of course, Jonah's story involves the tempestuous sea and going down into the deep. So there's a lot of things that you could talk about there. For purposes of Jesus, he seems to do, he does an enormous amount of teaching on the Sea of Galilee, near the Sea of Galilee. And his first conversions, as in bringing people in as disciples, seems to be right here when he speaks to um, Simon and Andrew, the brother, uh, Andrew's Simon's brother, and this, of course, is Peter. We, we'll, we learn that later. And they're fishing, and Jesus just says, come follow me. Now, Mark shows us that they immediately accept, and we've got to assume that Jesus had a reputation. It's kind of hard to believe that Jesus is just walking down the beach, looks out at two guys he's never met, they've never heard of him, and he goes, hey, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, and they just say, all right, and abandon their profession. So there's probably more here than meets the eye. It's quite possible that Jesus has already uh, established some sort of reputation in the community as a teacher or some sort of reputation as a a quote-unquote holy man. But whether he has or not is really not important for the verse. What's important is that this is the first moment of the emerging church. This is where the church of the New Testament really gets its very first spark. And it comes as the result of receiving the invitation to follow Jesus. That lays out for us the template for how the church is to grow. The church grows by people receiving the invitation to come and be a disciple of Christ. Jesus' invitation is not one of fear, not one of intimidation, not one of condemnation. It's It's a pronouncement that if you come and follow him, he will give you something to do. You can be a participant in whatever it is he's doing. You and I do not make the kingdom grow We simply proclaim the kingdom that is, and we live in that kingdom in such a way that it becomes attractive. Jesus doesn't resort to tricks. He just lives what his father says, and that has become attractive to people. And so the the earliest version of come follow Jesus, this, this really is that emerging church. It shows us that how we start is by answering the call, But he encourages them, I'm going to make you fishers of men, which means the big part of following him is to do what he does. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Because the gospel, the declaration that the king has come, the good news, God loves you, good news, the work is finished, good news, his death was your death, his life is your life. All of the things that encompass the good news, and there's a lot that encompasses the good news, All of that is what we are privileged to be a part of. That's the emerging church. That's the church coming off of the decks of her own boat and coming into lockstep discipleship with the Lord Jesus. That's a process, but one that's still alive and well today, 2,000 years later. He's going to call some more to discipleship, and we'll do that with him tomorrow, and we'll see you then. God bless.